Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. We are going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, we're just going to have a conversation around some some of the topics that we, is dear to our hearts, I believe is dear to your heart, is stuff that all of us are thinking about, that all of us are dealing with. Um, these are the talk. We actually started this conversation this morning, so we're actually going to pick up where we left off from 9.30. But this morning, we talked about what Jesus is doing in our lives, the church, the family, and culture. So we're going to talk about marriage. Now, we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about social media. And then there's one more thing I want to talk about, relationships. It's somewhere over there. Everybody's favorite topic, right? Relationships. Um, so if you, if you want to get the full conversation, tomorrow morning we'll release part one on the podcast. And then on Thursday we'll release this one for those who were here for, 11, for, 9, for 9.30. And I got good news to share that uh, in three weeks we're going to have our first TV program So, we're going to be on Fox at uh, 8.30 in the morning on Sunday, and then we'll be on ABC right after the news on Sunday night. And these two talks will be our first two episodes, because we want it, we're new, we want people to understand who is who we are, right? And, and if you're thinking about coming to church, because our, our goal with the TV program is to invite more people into the church. Right. And any given week, I want you to pray about this. They say we're going to be in anything between five to 8,000 households every given Sunday. Okay. So keep that in prayer. Uh, because, again, our, our heart desire is to continue to open doors for people to know Jesus and his church. Amen? Amen. So let's keep talking, right? But because this is a new audience, how about we start with an icebreaker? All right. To break the ice. Okay. That's what icebreakers are. Um, break the ice. But I know it's Christmas <laughs> season, and I know this is probably well, probably your favorite season ever. Oh, yes. Uh, when are you going to put up your Christmas tree? Uh, today or tomorrow. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, today or tomorrow. He doesn't know what's going on. I wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> today or tomorrow. We live in the same house? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Christmas movie? White Christmas. What? It's an oldie but a goodie. I'll watch that on repeat when I'm, uh, when I'm wrapping presents, like on repeat. I know all of the words. I feel like I'm in purgatory when she's watching these movies. He doesn't mean that. I can't do musicals. Uh, I just have a hard time with musicals. Um, but you, you and the kids have this thing where you can watch the same movie over and over again. That's right. For me, that's purgatory. <laughs> If there's a purgatory, that's what it is. It's watching the same movie over and over and over again. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Elf is my favorite Christmas movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like smiling. Smile is my favorite. Uh, world's best cup of coffee. You did it! Uh, if you ever watch Elf, do yourself a huge favor. Watch Elf. It's awesome. Uh, but but let's, let's, let's get more spiritual here, huh? And talk about some things. So we, we left off, we talked about culture, but let's talk about marriage a little bit, okay? 
Um, what would you say the married life is teaching you now that we've been married for 12 years? We've been together for 14 years, yep. right? Yep. And it's in February, we'll celebrate 13, 13 years, years of yes. marriage. Okay. Yep. Um, and five kids later. <laughs> I feel like there's never been a time that we haven't been pregnant in our, in our marriage. Um, By we. I want to make sure that we all know that it was me that was pregnant. You were there, but hey. I, all, that always messes me up. We were pregnant. No, I was pregnant. You were there. <laughs> and all the moms said, amen. <laughs> I just spoke for all the moms here when their husbands have said Yeah, that's we. fine. But all the dads say, you can't do it by yourself. You just can't be pregnant on your own. But I did a lot of it by myself. Unless you're married and, you know. All right, that's okay. All right, anyways. Anyway, yeah, I know. Um, so what are you, what are you learning? What, what's, what's God revealing to you in, in marriage? Um, I, one of the things that, especially recently, it's not to go with my first reaction. I think that as I'm becoming more mature and less likely to want to argue, um, I... I've just been realizing, like, just don't go with your first reaction. Just pause long enough because the world is not going to fall apart if I wait a minute and calm down before I say whatever it is that I need to say or address whatever it is that needs to be addressed. And something that um, God has continually been teaching me is that I'm not the Holy Spirit. So I don't have to always correct him. Like, if, I, if there's something that's going on that I don't like, for whatever reason, or I feel a certain way about it, I, I always, I've been, I can't say always, but I've really been trying to just pause and pray first before I say, is this for me to say, God, or is this for you to say? Um, and I feel like that has helped in a lot of different ways. It's helped me, don't, <laughs> you're smirking, and I'm, I feel like you're going to say I'm something I'm just agreeing. I'm, I think all the husbands are like, amen, amen, hey, fellas, um, don't leave me hanging out here, like, help me. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> and I think, too, even in those, I love to, I like to really bring things down to earth because I think that a lot of times we talk about things and it feels like it's far off and it sounds good and, yeah, that's great. But then when we go home, there's such a disconnect. Um, and so something else that I have been learning is that even in those moments where I feel like I want to address something but allowing the Holy Spirit to do it and just being quiet, God is making me stronger as, as an individual, not as, um, not as somebody that's relying on you for everything. Because, you know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength, not the joy of my husband is my strength. So, it, so I feel like your spouse's mood can obviously very much affect your mood. But you also could go a different route and say, all right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. For, for my husband or my wife, but I'm also, I also don't let it have to affect me, um, and, I, and I can be stronger, and I, for example, I just thought of um, something that recently happened with us, I'm just going to share it with all of our friends, um, <laughs> we had a, we had a, we had a busy day, we, well, all of our days are busy, who am I kidding, we had an extra busy day, and I was going to take the little ones with me to run some errands, and he had to go do something and be by himself, which was fine. But I, in my head, I thought, oh, he'll come home and he'll help me out. And he was like, all right, I have to go do such and such. And in that moment, I got 
irritated, like, I have to take the kids. It's going to take me double the amount of time. But instead of getting frustrated, I paused and I said, you know what? That's fine. No big deal. And I let God refine me and strengthen me and embrace. Like, I'm going to take my kids with me. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure. He's going to do his thing. It's no big deal. He needs his space. I'm going to do this. And it's not a big deal. That is one of those things where when we first got married would have been the fight that lasted seven and a half days. But we're, we're, we've come a long way. <laughs> seven and a half. So 12 years later, now we cut it down to like two and a half. No, so. it's even better than that. We've okay, been doing just, really well. I'm just saying, we're making progress. Yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> and what's, <laughs> what's God been teaching you in marriage? I think nothing exposes you more than marriage. Yeah. You know, I think, I think living with someone, which is a constant sleepover. Um, <laughs> I say that because, you know, when you're dating, you still go your separate ways, but it's like, no, there's, there's no going no separate ways. You know, it's a sleepover every day. Uh, that it exposes you. I think it really exposes the, the motives, the intentions of your heart, you know. I think we all have that mindset in marriage or in relationships that we have a tendency to focus on the other person. What they're doing wrong as opposed to what I'm doing wrong. And I think I'm being exposed more than ever 12 years later that a lot of my approach could be very selfish, you know. And, and so for me, what I'm learning is uh, forcing myself. And I mean, and I mean that because uh, we're, we're selfish by nature. Like, remember, we're naughty by nature. We did that talk <laughs> down with OPP. Um, um, we're, <laughs> we're selfish by nature. So you have to be intentional about putting yourself in other person's world, which is my wife's world. So I have to... I have to intentionally say, okay, this is what I did today, but here's how a world might look like. Because I don't fully will know what a world looks like if I don't intentionally put myself in that situation to to put her first. And I think so so for me is intentionally learning that I'm, I'm, I'm selfish by nature. And so I have to force myself to put myself into her world. So like that, it becomes a, a, a team effort. And not just me doing what I think I should be doing. Because a lot of times we think, oh, this is, I'm doing this for all of us. But it's like, yeah, but did I consider her world and help her in her world, you know? I think, too, another thing that I've been learning, too, is, like, if you want a fight, you can find a fight. And right. you can find it fast. Because strife and division is so much easier than unity. Um, yeah. And so... Just kind of looking, looking for the good instead of it always being, well, you shouldn't have done that. Or why did you do that? It could be, hey, thanks for doing this. It, even if it happens once a day versus the, you know, 10 things that I saw you, that you did wrong. Like, well, you know, that, that's going to happen. And I wouldn't want that for me. I don't want someone always pointing out what I'm doing wrong all the time. Right. I want someone to say, hey, I saw that you did this. I recognize that. It's just... I, you know, the, the Hollywood version of romance and romantic comedies, which I love romantic comedies, but it's, it really isn't reality. Right. It really isn't. It's so, much, it's so much more work than that, but the reward is so much richer and it's so much deeper and it just refines you as a human being, not just as a wife, because a wife is a role that you play, but it's not your identity. Right. Um, and so it, it defines, I feel like it defines you as a person. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I think fighting could be a good thing if we work on resolutions yeah. to do it better. Right. 
I mean, you, I, I believe you can fight better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it, like it's leading somewhere, and it, and we're growing. You know, I, I I know for me that revelation came. I don't know. I think it was like two years into a marriage. I remember one fight, which you know I feel like I lose every fight. <laughs> and it, and here's why I lose every fight because when I get mad, I only repeat what she's saying, <laughs> just louder. You know, it's like. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? You know, can we talk about this? Can we talk about it? Um, that's how I fight, and I lose every time. So every time I walk away, I realize that, honestly, this, this may sound cliche, but I was like, we're on the same team. So why not resolve these things better? You know, because I would walk away pouting, frustrated, but then realize, wait, I got to go home. Like, and if you know me, I don't have nowhere to go. Like... If a movie's not playing at that time, I'm just driving around aimlessly. <laughs> There's a movie playing, I might go to a movie. Because that's, that's my favorite thing to do. Uh, but other than that, I'm like, I got to go home. You know? But, but learning that we're on the same team. Yeah. And nobody wins if there's animosity. Right? We're all losing. That's why I keep pushing this thing about let's be more focused on being righteous than right. Because yeah. I think being right is overrated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, who wants to be right and go to bad mad? I won that fight. Yeah, but you sleeping alone tonight, basically. You know what I mean? So what's more important, like winning that fight or winning your marriage? You know, so. Um, what about parenting? We have five of them. Uh, just for context, 11, 10, 7, 3, and 2. Four, Four and, and two. two. Okay, I missed one. I'm getting better. Um, what, what is parenting teaching you? I, I feel like a better question is what is it not teaching me? I feel like every single day it's something, it's something new. And I was actually thinking about it because I was going through all of our kids, and I can, I can go through every child and, and see what each of them is teaching me. Um, I see myself and my daughter a lot um, and our oldest, and that is – um, it's a challenge because you get frustrated, but I think I'm more frustrated with myself than I am even with her. <laughs> so it's like, am I parenting myself or am I parenting you? Am I a hypocrite or am I not? I'm really confused. What's happening right now? That's how it feels. Um, but seeing, but I, seeing myself in them and then learning how to teach them to be better. And then it help, and then it, it it keeps you in check because then you have to guard what you say. Because my tendency may be anxiety and worry, but if my daughter's tendency is anxiety and worry, then I've got to counteract it because she's watching me, and so it keeps me in check. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and then there is you know you have to literally fight for patience. Do any of you moms or parents feel like that? Like you have to fight for it. Like, I am determined to be patient about this. I don't want to get mad about every little thing. I don't want to break up and referee every single fight. I have to let them figure some things out on their own. But it's really hard when they're all fighting over here. And I told myself, I told you a couple of times, I had to sit there and say, okay, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And I'm telling myself, don't say anything. And then after like the sixth time, I went like running into the room and I was like, I said to stop. 
And then I was like, oh, man, that didn't work. So let's try again. So, which is fine because five minutes later, it, the same thing is happening again. So I tried again the next time, and that was better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but fighting for patience. You get patience, to practice every day. Yeah, seriously. Fighting for patience and then understanding, um, and then one of them is really not like me. And so understanding how to understand him because, I'm, you know, it's like they came from us. And so you feel like they should be like me and they should behave like this, but that's not real. And, you know, when people say like, oh, this, you know, this one's just like you and that one's just like you. I've, I've almost had to catch myself even doing that with other parents and their children because they're their own person and they're the, they have their own identity. Right. And I think if we pigeonhole them into what we think they should be, and almost sometimes I feel like we're putting our things on them right. that they weren't even carrying in the first place, but because we keep speaking it, we start putting it on them. Yeah. Yeah. I think with, with parenting and marriage, is the same thing. We have to be careful with unrealistic expectations. Yeah. I think we all go into a marriage with unreal, unrealistic expectations, you know. And then parenting is a whole other ballgame of unrealistic expectations that, like you said, these kids, they're all unique. You know, they came from us, but they're all unique. I'm like, these kids are unique, yeah. <laughs> every single one of them. Yeah. Uh, and so it may sound weird, but... I'm having a blast having five kids, yeah, you know, so and I know that you don't expect that. You know, people are like, yo, Ray, you're crazy, you know, because it's so funny when people like come up to you like, you guys are crazy. It's like, uh, you, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, what do you say to that? <laughs> why don't you have kids? Um, no, I, I think it's a blast. I remember a friend of mine gave me this advice early on. He said, he said, do the things you love to do with your kids, then it won't feel like work. And I'm like, it's so true. And we at the stage now that some of them are just doing the stuff that I love. You know, for example, my son Caden, he's 10, and he loves sports, and I love sports. So we've connected on a much deeper level with sports right now that uh, to the point that he, he is frustrating me a little bit because we're playing NBA 2K, which is a basketball game, video game, and he's beating me. And I'm not okay with that, you know. I, you're like, I'm not, I'm not that dad yet. To be like, yeah, it's fine. My son's winning. I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to take you down. <laughs> you know, I know I should be more spiritual than that, but I am. Right now, I, you know, the last 21 games we played, he won 11 out of, out of the 10. I'm like, I'm, I have a losing record against my own 10-year-old son. You're losing your touch, I think. But it's awesome because these are the connections, man. These are the things that you do with them. Like, he wakes up watching Sports Center, which I'm like, man, he's speaking my language. He loves sports. And, uh, and then each one of them are into their own thing, you know. And I love that. I love seeing them in their own element. I don't know if you guys do this as parents, but I love being able to hear them play on their own and, and, and just enjoying each other. Uh, it's so cool. So I, I'm having a blast. I think it's, again, it's a matter of learning to adjust to each one yeah. and not have our own unrealistic expectation of what we want them to be. Because then is it their life or is it us trying to live their lives? Right, right. You know what I mean? So, And adjusting your sales quickly. I feel like what you just said about um, kind of working with each of them, I think that you have to, you have to adjust your sales kind of quick. When there's five of them, it's like you have to take a sharp left at any, at any moment because you don't know who's coming in the room and what, what they're bringing in with them. Um, but just being okay, like being okay with adjusting your sales and, then, and, and not even speaking over yourself like this is too much, I can't do this. 
because I found myself doing that a lot, like, I can't do this, this is too much. And then I thought, but I can, but I can do this, and I will do this, and I might mess up, and that's okay, but I'm not going to quit, and I'm not going to stop, and we're yeah. going to keep, and, you know, we're going to keep going, because um, it's like that self-prophecy almost, like, right. this is too much, I can't do this, I can't do this, or you could wake up and say, I'm going to kill my day, like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to put something in the crock pot, I'm going to keep going, you know, and just having that kind of, having that kind of mindset. Yeah, I think that goes along with that whole concept of embracing your reality. Yeah. Like, this is our reality, right? And I don't want anyone else's reality, yeah. you know? And so I think embracing your reality gives you the stamina and the energy to do the things you need to do right. because it's your reality. Right. You know what I mean? And I think, I think a sad way to live is to still think and wishing about, about a different reality where it's like, well, this is your reality. Embrace yeah. it, own it, and do the, what you need to do yeah. to do this better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that that goes along with everything in life, not just parenting, but your marriage. It's like, this is my marriage. I got into this marriage. I wanted to be in this marriage, so I'm going to make this the best marriage possible. I'm going to raise my kids the best way possible. This is my job right now. I'm going to go to my job and make it the best way possible. This is my church. I'm going to make it the best way possible. Like, I believe in owning your reality and making the best reality possible. You know? Amen. Amen. So good. Um, I think... We're going to go, well, we're going to switch lanes and talk a little bit about, this is crazy that it's even a topic, but let's talk about social media because it's such a big part of life now, right? Like, like, we don't know life without social media, I know. which is weird. It's so weird. To think about that that is a thing to talk about. It's even now being studied. Right. Because it's such a thing. Um. And I know you, you, you left Facebook years ago. Yes. <laughs> like years ago, you were like, I'm out, peace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you like Instagram. I do like Instagram. I, okay, so I like it, but, but I don't like it. I, I call social media kind of like a sweet beast. Like it can be nice, and then it's kind of awful at the same time. Um, I, I'm... I go off and on of social media for my own sanity and for my own peace of mind. I have to, I, I had to really take a look at what it was doing to me, to my thought process, the way that I was processing things, the way I was thinking about things, the way I was spending my time. My tendency is to compare myself to people. Um, and if I don't like the way that things are going for me, and then I look at someone else and it looks better and it looks more awesome, then I, that for me, it translates into, oh, I'm doing something wrong, and I get down on myself. So I had to really, and that was hard for me to really recognize that about myself. But I had this moment of, like, why do I feel like this? I would be on social media, and I was trying to figure out why I felt this, you know, that, like, icky feeling in your gut, and it's like, oh, I don't like how this feels. And so I had to do some serious self-evaluation and start to pinpoint, like, what is it? Is it this that's making me feel weird? Is it that? And it, when I dwindled it all down, it was social media. And so I think social media should be rated M for mature. Like, you have to know. Um, you've got to know yourself. And you have to know, why am, why am I on social media? Is it benefiting me? Is it not benefiting me? For me, it wasn't benefiting me. And I know when I can go on and when I can't go on. And when I have a busy week coming up, like for this week, we had a really busy week for ministry. And so... For about half of the week, I just took it off of my phone because I said, I don't even want to, I don't want to go there. I don't want to start comparing myself. I don't want 
anything to derail what it is that I need to focus on this week. Um, but social media is just kind of funny. You really have to know yourself and know why am I on it. I really think that younger people, I really, I feel very strongly that teens and preteens really shouldn't be on social media. I don't know if I, I don't think that they can handle it. I think it's too much for them. And they're actually saying that the, depre- the rate of depression and suicide has skyrocketed with social media in that generation. And, I, and they're linking it to social media yeah. specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to clap. Mm-hmm. Again, it, it's, it's such a powerful tool that could be, a, could be good and it could be Absolutely. bad, right? And, uh, and the studies are showing that it's, it's starting to take the same effects a drug will take on a person. You know, the amount of dopamine that you get from likes and dislikes. And that's why these, this younger generation is dealing so much with depression yeah. because their self-evaluation now is based on social media. Right, right. You know, the, the, how many likes they can get, how many friends they have. And, right. and, and, and even as adults, if you haven't wrestled with who you are and your identity, yep. then your identity can quickly get wrapped up in those things. Absolutely. And so I think it's so critical to do some self-evaluation. Um, because we don't want to just take on something without asking the questions of how is this affecting me? You know, like you said, it begins to affect uh, your identity as far as comparison goes. For me, um, the reason why I, I haven't been on Facebook is because I felt that for the season that I'm in right now in my life in the church, um, you, you, you get a lot of criticism, yeah. you know. And, and, and I find myself uh, feeling compelled to respond to criticism, which yeah. is not a good thing, yeah. not a good place to be, because if someone can't have a conversation with you in person, then they shouldn't own your space in your mind online. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So, so I, I realized that, wait a minute, this, this thing is, is, is getting the best of me, and, and I don't want to let anything get the best of me, because the Bible says this, the Bible says sin once is crouching at your door. It wants to master you, but you must master it, yeah. right? So if you have no self-control over something, you shouldn't be around that thing. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's critical to, to, to be man enough and woman enough to say, you know what? I need to step away for a little bit yeah. and grow myself a little bit a little deeper. And I believe that's what God's doing for me is growing my emotional intelligence and stamina to deal with the reality that not everybody's going to celebrate a big church. Not everybody's going to celebrate your, your success. You know what I mean? That your success sparks a lot of outrage and even jealousy, if we want to talk about that. You know what I mean? Uh, and so learning to take a step back and say, wait, if I'm reacting, then I'm no better than the person who's criticizing. You know what I mean? And so I need to, I need to pull back. And so that's where I'm at. And I love Instagram because it's just pictures. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's pictures. You know, and I like pictures. Uh, and, and there's no room for, unless you want to really be weird, you know, uh, you can get weird on Instagram if you want to. <laughs> But, but the main reason why we always said we want to use social media is to expose people to the church yeah, and, and to Jesus, definitely. you know, um, which to me, again, it's not like I will never be on Facebook again, but I want to be in a good place, you know, where, where I know why I'm here, you know what I mean? And I don't want to post based on reaction from other people, but I want it to be from my place of vision. And I don't like anything to take me away from my mission. Yeah. You know, if something is taking me away from my mission, I need to reconsider. I need to refocus. I need to, it's almost like rerouting the GPS yeah. and say, okay, we, we need to get back on track. Yeah. 
you know? And I think, too, um, asking yourself, am I posting to prove something or am I posting to inspire someone? Um, and I think that, that is, that's very helpful because even when we post things that are, that are fine and there's nothing wrong with it, I think it's the intentions of your heart. Like, am I posting to prove something or am I posting to inspire someone? And that's fine. I think that even social media, it can be really good and it can be very inspirational and it can be very helpful. But even in, even in that, I think that it's just the maturity of it because I can look at someone who posted, you know, they just did, you know, they, I don't know, they did an accent wall or something in their home. But if I'm not in a place where I'm ready to paint my wall, then I can't paint my wall and it's not a big deal. But I have to be okay <laughs> Wait. But 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 honestly, I think that home, lot, like my house sucks. Yeah, right. But I think a lot of us are looking at even inspirational things and thinking, oh well, you know, this person they went shopping at this store, and now I feel like I need to go. And now what was meant for an inspiration has turned into a problem because now you've taken on someone else's identity, and now you you're in debt over something that you shouldn't even be doing in the first place. You know. You know, one more thing I would say about social media is, you know, I think it's making us shallow. You know, because everything is surface. You know, we forget that that one person's shot, that that's image, took them 30 minutes to put up. Because they had to find the right angle, the right filter. I mean, if you go on their phone, there's like 30 versions of the same picture. Right? It's not even real. You know what I mean? It's, it's the version that we want to put out there. You know what I mean? And so that to me is a shallow perspective of life. That that's not the real version. You know what I mean? And so what happens is we stop to do self-evaluation. Because we're more concerned with a self-image than actual a real image of me. And so I want to encourage you to, to do this. To... Separate what is supposed to be self-evaluation from what you want to be out there. Because there are some things that God's doing in your life. Not everybody needs to know. There are some things God's doing in your family. No one ever, no, no, not everybody needs to know. You know what I mean? And if you put it out there too early, you didn't give it enough root in you to know what it's trying to teach you and what it's trying to do with you. And I think, like Scripture says, some things are meant to be treasuring your heart. Right? And so the moment you put it out there, you lost the effect of it. You lost the power of it because God maybe was trying to take you deeper for yourself. You know? And, and I think we're lacking self-evaluation. And because we're lacking self-evaluation, then we're going to look for, for attention. We're going to look for people to approve of us instead of getting our approval from God, the Father, who is the only one that can actually approve you. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He told that to Jesus. Before Jesus did anything publicly, he said, let me approve you in private. Because if I can approve you in private, you can live an approved life in public. You know what I mean? So let's focus more on our private life. So that when we post something, it's just a residue of our private life. If you can have a solid private life, then you can have a solid public life. Get fired up over here. No, I can tell. Um, but I think it's important also to touch on on relationships because everybody's in a different place, right? Everybody's in a different walk of life. You know, not everyone is married yet, or people 
have been married and, and things didn't work out. So we have so many different situations when it comes to relationships. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like what are some of the things to, that can maybe encourage someone who's not married or maybe they, they just broke up or divorced or f- trying to figure out who they're supposed to be one pursuing? Of the, yeah, one of the things that we have been talking about and what the name of the TV program will be is a new normal. And we really believe that. And a new normal takes time. I think, that's a, I think that that is a huge piece of relationships, that it takes, it takes time, especially when you're coming out of a life that maybe wasn't pleasing to God and you've you know, opened doors that, um, that God maybe didn't want you to open and he's forgiven you and that's awesome and you're ready to move on. But that process still takes time. God can forgive you, but you still have to walk out the rehabilitation right. of it. Um, and I, and what, um, I think something that we have been seeing as we have been uh, just talking to people and getting to know people in the church and their stories is that, um, that there is this sense of urgency and this sense of rush almost to make a relationship happen. And, and with good intention, though, to make a godly relationship happen, because I think a lot of us are like, I, you know, I did this before, and I feel like my forgiveness or my redemption will come in another relationship, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. Your forgiveness and your redemption comes from Jesus, not from the flushing out of another relationship because your call could genuinely be to be single, and there is nothing wrong with that um, as long as you're, in, you're walking in your lane. Um, but I think that that is probably the biggest thing. I feel like we both talked about this over the course of the last several months. We've seen that, like, and I feel like that's a theme that keeps coming up, that it takes time. Because your old self goes kicking and screaming. Like, your old, your old habits, they, they die hard. And so you, I think that what we're seeing, and it says that um, there's a story in the Bible in Ezra about rebuilding the temple. And when they are rebuilding it, the, um, the newer and the younger people, the, uh, they were excited and they're shouting praises but the older, the older people were sad and they were mourning. And they said, it said they couldn't distinguish between the wailing and the praise. And I think that a lot of you, a lot of us are in this like, I don't know what voice I'm hearing. Like I'm hearing my old self kicking and screaming, but I want to rejoice for what's coming. But you have to give yourself time to discern what voice is which voice. Is this the old me wanting to get in a relationship or is this the new me? Yeah. You know, for us, every, everything that we talk about comes from the worldview that, that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, right? And for us, that's the number one priority is, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Because if that's not settled yet, then the second greatest decision of your life will always be confusing, which is who are you going to spend the rest of your life with? I believe that's number one and two. Jesus first, and then who are you going to spend the rest of your life with? If that's not in place, what's happening is this. Whether, whether you're married or not, or you're looking to be married, if Jesus is not the center of your life, you're looking for a savior, and that's a problem. You know, that's a problem. That's why a lot of relationships don't work. No man or woman can save you. Right? And so the reason why a lot of relationships don't work is we're putting expectation on people that they cannot they cannot fulfill those expectations. There's only one Savior, and you have to settle that in your life. That's why Jesus said, 
when he, when he, when he introduced Eve, he said, he said, it's not good for men to be alone. Let me introduce to him a suitable helper, right? But notice that first he said, Adam, I need to establish you first. Then Eve will come into the picture, right? We don't know how long Adam was alone until God said, now Eve, right? Because God wants to first establish a relationship with us. Then he can, you can be in a good place to pursue a relationship where you know I'm not looking for a savior. I already have a savior. I'm looking for a suitable helper that we can do life together. We're going to complement each other. And we're going to help each other grow to where God is taking us. You know. So that needs to be settled. And I know we are a young church with a lot of young believers. But you listen, this is a new normal. So in other words, you can't have Jesus as your Lord and still act like your old self. You know what I mean? It needs to be in the open. It needs to be in the light. Like we do things in the light. If you, anything that we're doing uh, behind the scenes trying to hide it, it's, it's not going to succeed. Like God's not going to bless things done in the darkness. Right? You got to bring things to the light. Right? And you got to give yourself room to be healed. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's, there's, there's got to be a time period to heal to the point that if I'm going to jump into a relationship, I'm coming from a healing standpoint. Not from a broken standpoint. Because as long as I'm broken, I'm going to bring that brokenness into that relationship. And if it's two broken people, we're just going to keep hurting each other. You know, and of course, we're all a work in progress. You know, 12 years into marriage, we're still learning and growing. But I think that you have to start from this standpoint. Like, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Therefore, I pray that you lead me into this relationship. You know, not me trying to make this thing happen again. Not me trying to, you know, push this thing to happen. And if you're going to make Jesus the Lord of your life, make sure that he's the Lord of your life. Not part of your life, your entire life. You know what I mean? Because that's the way he's going to bless you and and make sure that your your, your relationship succeeds. Because you said, we're under your umbrella. We want your will to be done in our lives. And so I I, I highly encourage you, if you are in that place of, you know, I'm pursuing uh, someone, make sure you're coming from that from a from a, a, a healthy place where you're not putting expectation on a person that they can't fulfill. It's impossible, and everybody prays for someone to come into their life. I think that's the wrong prayer. I think we need to pray to be that someone. If we can be that someone, that's the other someone is going to find you. Trust me. So. Anything to add to that? That was really good. I, again, I think that it's just, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I feel like we need to get it in our hearts and in our minds that things take time yeah. and that we don't need to be in a rush to make, to make anything, to make anything happen. And I, I really, and I have felt this for myself in our marriage. I have been more fulfilled the more I'm comfortable in my own skin than in the longevity of our marriage. I feel like the longer we've been together, the more content I've been, not because of, not because of you, but because of making God the center of my life and of my heart. So that's a, that's a word that's, whether you're single, whether you're married, or whatever your situation is, when you allow God to be the center of your life and you allow him to refine you, it doesn't, I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but essentially it doesn't matter what is kind of happening around you because you have a laser focus on where I'm going and who I am because God has already solidified that yeah. in me. So at that point, you know, it's like come hell or high water, come death or life, I know what my identity is, and, yeah. and it's in Jesus. Yeah. 
And I, I want to end with this, my friends, that life is challenging and hard enough, right? So make sure that the person you're going to pursue already has Jesus as the center of their life. Because you're going to make things ten times harder when now you're a Christian and you're going to try to get in a relationship with someone who hasn't even established that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, that's a huge uphill battle. That's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Because being be unequally yoked means we're, we're pulling in different directions. Right? And that person could tell you all the right things. But if their worldview doesn't come from Jesus being the center of their lives, sooner or later that thing's going to break down. You know what I mean? So do yourself a huge favor. Start from a great standpoint with yourself and then make sure that the other person has Jesus as the center of their lives. If you're going to see the new normal in your life. And like I said last Sunday, not everything that walks through the door is for you. Don't shop when you're hungry. You got to date from a full perspective. Like, I'm already good, but it would be great to have a suitable helper. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be from that place where now you're not, you know, you're not, you're not trying to fit someone else's mold. And that's terrible about relationships. I see young people trying to, you know, let themselves be squeezed into someone. It's like, man, why? Aren't you okay in Jesus? Doesn't Jesus fulfill you first? Right? And, and, and if Jesus says to hold on, I think he's going to continue to give you the strength and the joy it's not like, oh my gosh, I don't have anybody. It's like, with that, you shouldn't. You, you, you shouldn't. Because okay? you're looking for the wrong person. You need to take that to Jesus first. You know, let him wipe your tears. Let him give you some self-confidence. Then, you know. But the new normal only works when Jesus is at the center. I am fully convinced. I'm going to end here. I'm fully convinced of this. Life is better with Jesus. Life is better. I don't mean heaven or hell. Forget heaven and hell. I'm talking about life right now. Life is better with Jesus at the center of your life. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.